Hi, it's Wes Johnson. And John St. John. And we're here for GGR Pirate Radio. Yeah, because they've got balls of steel. Yes, and we may take those from you when we're done. Yeah, I shared this link a while ago. I wasn't sure if you sent out a new one. Nah, I'm, I'm sending out the new one right now, which I will tag everyone in, which is going to be Phil. It's going to be Steven. It's also going to be James. <laughs> the Hill Hippie. That's me. We'll share all of those. Oh, and I talked to Yuli today. He said he was going to listen to better. That's not a good because what else would he be doing on a Friday night? Uh, to the internet. Because let me tell you about that. This dude, like, I've never met anybody with no, so much stuff to do in my life. He's got a TV show. He is on TV. Like, he's on like nine different Showtime shows. He's got a, two radio shows. He's like, he's an ANC commissioner for DC. Um, let's see. He donates his time to Martha's Table. Uh, I'm, he does. Yeah. I'm about to say the man is always busy. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't, I don't know what he, he's always got stuff going on. And I did just post where everybody's tagged. So there you go. You guys can share that. Righteous. Hey, let's get some music going. How about that? Okay. Yeah. Oh, Set the tone. Set the tone. And then silence. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to find a track. Damn. Well, oh, that's, that counts as a tone. Bunch that's of, a tone right there. Cue it up. Bunch of bastards. Consider Suddenly what we're quiet. talking about. <laughs> I think we'll go with the uh, the Tron Legacy soundtrack. That's a quality soundtrack. Great soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Okay movie. I, mm, I it was, like it was a, a little bit more than okay. I thought it was better than okay. I think it was I better than okay. Are we talking the new one or the old one? The this new is, one. This is the newer one. I've not the watched that one. It seems like heresy. <laughs> it's not It's not heresy. It's, it's decent. It was a great trailer for a third movie. And that's, <laughs> that's never going to come. <laughs> that we will never get. That we'll never get. Which, by the way, I went back and watched the first one. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Like, as prep for the second one. Yeah. God damn, there are some heavy themes in that movie. There's a lot of wild shit going on oh, yeah. <laughs> in that first yeah. movie. Yeah. It's a fucked up future. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And I, I really enjoyed the movie for the most part, um, but I'm a really bad movie critic. It's got to mm-hmm. really, like, touch a nerve, like, <laughs> to really upset me. There are very few movies that I actually don't like. Same thing with TV mm-hmm. shows. For the most part, I'm a pretty easy critic. Uh, have unless, you ever walked out of a movie? Yes, I have. Yes. I'm so curious. Um, what did you walk was, out of? Okay, it was the yeah. it was the Heath Ledger, Shannon Sossaman movie where he was a priest. The right, I think. No, no, um, um, no. That was the Anthony Hopkins. Um, the Order. The Order. What oh, it was is, I believe was I have a movie. DVD copy. Hey. Of, that yeah. of course you do. <laughs> Oh, wow. Hey, the only reason that second Tron movie holds a special place in my heart was it gave me one of my favorite animations called Tron Uprising, which was great. I've heard very good things about that. I've heard good things about that, too. Um, Yeah, I walked out of that movie, and then um, what was the other one that I walked out of? Um, I'm trying to remember. Dead air! The Adam, it's an Adam Sandler movie. I was trying to pull it. It's it's the Adam Sandler trying movie. To pull it. Jesus Christ, it's a fucking family show. <laughs> well, shit, you guys got me on here. That was a mistake. Um, the Adam Sandler movie where he plays like an autistic guy, but it's like a dramatic movie, and he just yells oh, and curses. Oh, oh, isn't that that all Adam Sandler movies? <laughs> playing an autistic he goes, guy. Oh yeah, all of them. How many of us can make it's the same not. joke really quick? Go. <laughs> um. Wait, I, I, I will defend the water boy until I die. I don't <laughs> yes. care what anyone says. 
It was yes. Punch Drunk Love. Oh, I love that movie. That is one of my favorites. Was, was he autistic in that one? I, I, I guess he. I, I How guess can you maybe? tell? <laughs> well, he's like, he's Rude, like Steve. really Rude. quiet and withdrawn. <laughs> Um, okay, we're going in some really ugly territory. Right now. I mean, I have an autistic son. Let's let's just chill yeah, with this. Okay? Let's, <laughs> Thank we're you. Touch, we're gonna hit someone, some nerves here. Someone be the voice of reason. How okay. deep into ableist territory can we get? How about we have a straight white dude try to explain what may or may not be autism? Um, <laughs> oh God! But no, like there's there's a there's a great scene mansplaining in that movie, movie basically when uh. It's it's when it's when Sandler you might not have gotten to this point. Yeah. Uh, Sandler goes back because Philip Seymour Hoffman is playing the super sleazy dude who's yeah. harassing uh, Emily Watson, I believe. Um, and Sandler goes back to him and he just kind of lays out like I, how I will destroy you and all this stuff. And he's like, so, well, let's say that's that and call it a day. Wait, you know what? Are you thinking of a different movie? I did like that movie. <laughs> it was it was another Sandler movie because I walked out of I walk I'm like wait no that's the wrong was one. Was it Rain Over Me? Click no, it was the... the one. It was the it wasn't a comedy. It was the one. It was like um, Spanglish. Yes, and the reason why I walked out of it was because it had some really really heavy themes at one point. Mm -hmm. And I want to say mm -hmm. the, the girl that I was dating was Hispanic at the time, and she turned and looked at me and she's like, "We need to go." And I was like, "Oh, Jesus I was like, this is too much to handle right now." Yeah, and I was like. Peace out. Let's go. Like okay. it was just like, and and that's why it wasn't like I was offended by Adam Sandler because I watch some of his shittiest movies and enjoy them. <laughs> like I do. And not that's saying something. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um. So guys, thanks for tuning in. Yeah. This is GGR Pirate yeah. Radio. We're a little informal tonight. We just uh, kind of shooting the shit here. Um. But we've got a great episode in store for you tonight. Joining us in studio first we've got the lovely and talented mr james rambo hey everybody we have the equally talented a little lovelier in a different way kind of swarthy in, in a way uh a that swarthy, is yeah. that is the hill hippie he is uh the co-host of fxbg public radio's shock monkeys he is also the producer of otherland dreams i always want to say overland dreams <laughs> so i had to check that's why i looked at the chalk you guys can see that so i just gave away my tell there um I just looked at the chalkboard because that's where all of our shows are listed. It's great radio. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> just, just, you can just hear the people turning off their, their feed right now. It's elementary school. Just click. click. Exactly. Um, we've also, <laughs> joining us by the magical, mystical means of the internet, we have the co-host of GGR Pirate Radio. He is Steve Monick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've also got special guest correspondent who is our... Um, I would say our movie reviewer slash TV series reviewer uh, of the week, his name is Philip Jean-Pierre. That would be me. Hey. Hey. You may remember Phil from such wonderful episodes as our conversation about Star Trek Discovery and Pizza from Mike yes. on the Mic, um, <laughs> which devolved that was in... classic. It was. We, oh, and Donuts. We talked about Donuts, too. It was, yeah, we it was good times. We talked about Donuts. It was good times. Um, but guys, thank you for tuning in. We're going to go ahead and kick the show off right now. When we come back from our intro, we're going to have the Geek Sheets, which is talking about all of the news uh, in the geeky nerdy world of the week. Uh, we're also going to have Mr. Philip Jean-Pierre. He is going to be telling us about season two of Iron Fist because this lucky son of a bitch has actually already seen the whole thing. Oh. So he's going to tell us a little bit about what to expect from season two of Iron Fist. Uh, we are also going to be having a little bit of an impromptu interview with the Hill Hippie, so he can tell us about 
some of the great things that he's doing on FXBG Public Radio, and he'll be joining us for news and commentary on the Geek Sheets. And then we're also going to learn a little bit about one of our newest GGR contributors, and that's Mr. James Rambo. We're just going to be talking about him, where he came from, who he is, his dreams, his hopes, his favorite sandwich, favorite musicians, those sorts of things. Sandwiches. I we were yes. going to have these kind of gotcha sandwiches. Yeah. One of these days. No, I'm hungry. <laughs> no, I'm hungry. It'll be like Oprah style, only less invasive. Yes. <laughs> and nobody gets any free cars. Nope. No. Well, then fuck oh. this. I <laughs> am leaving. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Let's go ahead and kick off GGR Pirate Radio starting right now. You're listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Don't be a juice bag. This is called Pirate Radio. Be like, oh, these are stupid guns. Guns uh. are for jerks. <laughs> Run around this city like it's your damn shooting gallery. Yeah, what do you do? What do you do? You act like it's a playground. You beat up the bullies with your fists. You throw them in jail. Everybody calls you a hero, right? And then a month, a week, a day later, you're back on the streets doing the yeah. same damn thing. So you just put him in the morgue. Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? Yippee-ki-yay, mother... The Great Pirate Wobbles is here for you. Pain heals. Chicks dig scars. Glory lasts forever. If you will not turn to the dark side, then perhaps she will. What's in the box? This is called Pirate Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, my name is Mike Lunsford and this is GGR Pirate Radio. Welcome to The Great Geek Refuge. GGR Pirate Radio is our podcast arm of The Great Geek Refuge. It's our website. It's fun, it's nerdy, it's geeky, all those things that you love to talk about, like comics, movies, sports, music, TV, all of it is on our lovely refuge. It is www.greatgeekrefuge.com for tonight's podcast. We have in studio with us the lovely and talented Mr. James Rambo. Greetings, folks. We also have from the Shock Monkeys, from Overland Dreams, on Otherland Dreams. Damn it. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Every time. Every time. I don't Except even... earlier. I know. When you caught yourself and didn't say it. No. But this time when it's official, when it's live and it's well on the podcast. Done. Yeah, when, know, it's, right? when it's to be recorded and then, you know, yeah. reheard. I'm not even going to edit it. I don't even care. No. Like, well, I do. It's other land. As yes. in, there's a land. This and then the there's other. a whole nother yeah. land. The other land. The yes. other land dreams. Oh, so you're not, you're not saying utter land like a land full of cows, cows. that are be, about to be milked. Hey, this look, I'm all about land. teats in every way, but that's not the <laughs> land I'm talking about on that show. <laughs> different show, different radio station. It's a whole it's a whole other thing. Um, but anyways, he's the Hill Hippie, Great and he's job. from FXBG Public Radio. We've also got Mr. Steve Monick, the co-host of GGR Pirate Radio, joining us via Zencaster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've also got uh, Philip Jean-Pierre, who is our de facto go-to reporter when it comes to all things media that none of us have seen yet. So welcome, Philip Jean-Pierre. Giggity. What's up, y'all? 
All right, guys, so let's go ahead and jump right into this topic of du jour. Um, what I want to talk about first is we've got the Hill Hippie in the studio. I want to know a little bit about what's going on with you, because you're, you're new to this whole podcasting thing, right? Yeah, I've actually been doing it less than six months. So you started essentially when you came to the studio. You just showed up one day, and you were just like, hey, can I talk into the microphone and say funny things, too? Actually, it came about when uh, Bad Man Lowercase, the, the host of uh, host du jour, I guess you would say, of Shock Monkeys, yeah. needed somebody to fill in because the second host at that point in time, somewhere, uh, something Tom, was out. He had dad duties, family duties. He just couldn't make it to the episode, so yeah. he asked me to sit in. I dude, I ain't got a clue. I don't know. Don't know. I don't know. No. I'm a little scared. I don't want to do this. But okay. I'll, I'll help you all, man. So that happened. A couple weeks later, it happened again. A couple weeks later, it happened again. And all of a sudden, it's like, hey, man, uh, would you like a full-time seat? All right. Sure. Yeah. I, and I've just kind of jumped into it ever since. So to use a, uh, a colloquialism from a show that both Rambo and I love, uh, and that is Letterkenny, when a man asks for you for help, you help him out. Yeah, and that's pretty what much. you did. Yeah. And now it's a full-time gig. Yeah. And I enjoy the shit out of it. Yeah. I mean, and it's a fun show, too. If you guys haven't checked it out, go to fxbgpublicradio.com. You can see the link right there for Shock Monkeys. In fact, as I turn to the right, you can also check out <laughs> Otherland Dreams as well, um, which is... Uh, not you're not so much hosting that one as you are producing that one, correct? I am a co-host on that show as well. Okay, and that show is more about uh, there's so many w- words that can be thrown out and spirituality it really is the first one that I think of. Yeah, that's the most general term. Yeah, uh, existentialism is it pops in mm-hmm. there. Yeah, other ways of uh, thinking, other ways of living. Uh, the main host, uh, which is a friend of mine. Uh, Lady Stars and Fire is what she goes by on the air and in her business. She is a uh, certified level two working on level three shamanism. Uh, she's a certified Reiki master and astrologist. And wow. I, I think she's got a couple other certifications that I'm not completely aware of off the top of my head. I've been friends with her for a couple of years. And when we wanted to expand FXBG Public Radio and trying to get more shows with different uh, diversity on there, yeah. I was like, yeah, I, I got to get her on. And she didn't want to do an hour sitting there talking to a mic by herself. Yeah. So she's like, well, I know you and your personal spiritual beliefs and practices. You're along the same lines. And you give uh, will give much more of a scientific view on it than she herself would. So she asked me to join her. I was like, yeah, sure. So I'm. Started producing the show and co-hosting it. And it really fits with the time slot that you guys have because you guys are on from 10 to 11 on Tuesday nights. Mm-hmm. And for any of us who grew up with radio, like as radio was just kind of part of your life, that was always for me like my favorite time to listen to radio because that's when they put the people on the radio that had some different things to say. Those are when you would get storytellers. Mm-hmm. That's when you would get like Loveline, for instance, yeah. with Dr. Drew and Adam Carolla, which was one of my favorite shows growing up. Coast to Coast AM. Yeah, you, you get things that you wouldn't normally hear, and that is like the perfect fit. And it's part of the reason why I love being part of FXBG Public Radio is we're doing stuff that nobody else does. Mm-hmm. Like you don't hear anything like this on the radio. Like you can get podcasts, but this is a live pod, uh, like a live radio network that we have. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes it so fun is anybody can do a podcast and edit in some cool stuff. Like we're right. doing it live and <laughs> saying, mis, you know, mispronounce or saying the wrong words for somebody's title twice in a row. Um, <laughs> channels that again? Yeah. That would be FXBG 
Public Radio. Yeah. What you what can was check the name out. Of the show? I can't remember that. That would be Otherland. Ah, I, I appreciate this. Yes. I really do. Like this. <laughs> Trying to keep you on the ball, brother. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's it's not even like in in out of spite. Like I'm not glaring at you. No, I'm serious. Like I do appreciate this because I won't get it wrong again. It's Otherland dreams. Yes, Nothing like is. throwing a rock at the guy's feet, man. I mean. <laughs> As he as he points pistols at my feet and shoots, dance yeah, right. now, dance, dance for me. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, so like, is this is this something that you've always wanted to do, or is it just something that you were you know you're hanging out at Ek the DJ's house and you were just like, oh, I'll get on the mic too. Honestly, no. It's just something that I kind of fell into and it it fit me well. Growing up, I was a, an extreme introvert. Really, even into the and into my adult phase in my early 20s I was an extreme introvert <coughs> I ended up getting a job that put me in bars and private clubs repairing cheap boxes poker machines illegal poker machines and shit like that the best kind night. of poker machines oh yeah, yeah absolutely ones that actually paid out <laughs> and I was forced to you know get outside of my comfort zone get out of my bubble and start talking to people and I just developed that over the course of several years and now when Man, man, ass is like, yeah, man, I'll help you out. Sure. And I found out this is really enjoyable. It's really fun. And I'm really glad that it, I was able to land a spot in here and become part of this network and yeah. meet all you wonderful people. I'm still questioning you, Rainbow, yet, but that's, that's beside should. the point. <laughs> that, that doesn't go away, by the way. No. Oh, okay. Cool. So it's not just me. Yeah. No, exactly. I've known Phil no. the longest. Phil, should you feel I, comfortable around I, me? I, um. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your, your confidence level seems to be waning with every. As, yeah. as he knows that, like Rambo has like Phil's grandmother in a basement somewhere, like duct tape. Like, yeah. We might have had a prior conversation about things. Who knows? Words may have exchanged. <laughs> and baskets of lotion. I hope not. <laughs> Perhaps not. But that's none of our business. Um. I just I wanted to kind of respond to what you were saying there too about podcasting. I never really knew that I wanted to do it. Like I was, and like when I was in eighth grade, like I like started listening to the radio way more, and I was hearing like shock jocks like Howard Stern and Donna Mike, and I was like, man, I want to be like these guys. And then you grow up and you get older and you forget about the dreams that you had as a kid. Mm -hmm. And then this son of a bitch, Steve, one day is like, hey, we're doing our nerdy articles on GGR, and that's all fun and good and stuff. Have you ever done a podcast? And I was like, no. What's and a podcast? He's like, he was like my dealer. Like he, he would just, he got me hooked. And like, it was his idea, and then it just grew from there. And like, I didn't know how to do any of the editing or recording, and I just kind of taught myself to do it. And like, I met Ek the DJ in the process, and mm -hmm. like, it's just become something that's like a huge passion. And like, I love how the music stirs as I'm saying this. Right? <laughs> it's building up to a crescendo. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, and it's, it's just something that I've, that I've really enjoyed doing. And it, the cool thing about it was, is it wasn't like I was new to this cause I did stuff like this when I was in high school. Like I did TV production and did radio production as one of my courses that I took and I did a little bit in college, but then I forgot about it cause you know, I joined the army and I went out and did other things and it was like this cool, like, Hey, remember these things you loved as a kid? Let's do them again. And now it's a website and now it's a podcast and we're all sitting here talking about this stuff. So it's, it's kind of cool how, how things like that happen. That's really, really Yeah, awesome. I had no idea what kind of monster I was releasing when I was like, <laughs> hey, you want to do a podcast real quick and then never talk about it again? And you're like, sure. And then it became, you know, years and years later. And that's all Mike wants to do. Like he is yeah. addicted. Like the dealer is the perfect, perfect <laughs> analogy because, man, you just he dove head first into it. 
the, the greatest thing about it, though, is when we first started doing it, like that first year that we were doing it, we had like 30 or 40 subscribers. And that was it. And it, but it was cool, you know. It was still like it was, these were our people. Yeah, sure. We now have we just cracked two thousand. We're at twenty. That's fucking dope. Last man. month we did. We're at twenty four hundred subscribers. Like how awesome is that? That's, That's great, fantastic. man. Yeah, it's just it's so cool. And like I gotta stop tooting my own horn here and let's let's get back to our show. Do not um, toot it. <laughs> don't toot it. Um, <laughs> oh shit! Somebody should have told me that before I drank all that milk. <laughs> <laughs> Damn this lactose intolerance. Um, So, (laughs) I keep wanting to call you by your real name, and I don't want to do that because I don't want to blow you up on the the internet. But but Hill Hippie, um, what like other than other than the things that you are broadcasting about? Because I know on FXBG Public Radio, when you're on the Shock Monkeys, you're doing the news and commentary with with the Madman. Mm -hmm. But what else are you into? Like what kind of things? Because I know like. Because we interact, obviously, when we're not on the radio when we're here at the studio. Right. And I know you're into some other things, but, like, of those things, like, what kind of things are you willing to tell us about that you're oh. into? And, guys, it's nothing. It's illegal. It's actually pretty cool, the stuff that he's into. <laughs> yeah, mostly I'm an open book. I mean, I just – I came up with the Hill Hippie uh, – what would it – pseudonym? Yeah. Uh, just because – I'm on air with a guy who calls himself Madman Lowercase. Yeah. I, I want a cool name too, man. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and, you know, I was born and raised in West Virginia, so I'm a hillbilly by birth and raising, and I've become a hippie by personal choice and growth over the past 40 years of my life. So that just seemed like, hey, that fits, because I've got these some conservative views and some extremely liberal views that, you know, they really don't mesh for even when you think of somebody, you know, he, oh, that's a hillbilly. Well, that's a hippie. Well, hold your horses there. I believe in sanctifying all life, but I got no problem going out into uh, the woods and hunting a deer and taking that thing home and skinning <laughs> it and eating it. <laughs> but uh, for personally, my what I like to do, I'm a humongous fan of science. Uh, when I'm <clears throat> researching my segment on the show called uh, Hill Hippie's Garden, Madman named it, not me. <laughs> I, I'm watching all these different science episodes uh, on YouTube or whatever I can get my hands on, double checking facts. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that just fascinates me watching the study of NASA, what they're finding out, watching uh, the studies of Dr. Emoto and how he's finding out thoughts and emotions can actually affect the crystallization process of water. Wow. Yeah, it's, I can't remember the episode uh, specifically that I referred to that one on, but it's it's fascinating work. Well, one of the things that fascinated me, am I, am I allowed to talk about like your, your pet project you got going on in the refrigerator? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So when um, when I first really? met... Really? That's how you want to start that segment? Yeah, I'm so, I'm so curious. <laughs> right? And that, and that, my friends, is how you do a tease. So, <laughs> so you're almost as good as a woman at that. I, 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 I aim to please. What can I say? I even shaved my legs for tonight's episode. Um, so, <laughs> so when I first met Hill Hippie, he was telling me about growing mushrooms. And this sounds mm. weird. Like, you're just like, oh, well, you don't have to do anything. You just, you know, like, just don't mow your grass for a while. You'll grow some mushrooms. You'll be Tail fine. Beer. Right? Exactly. Um, but he started explaining to me the process of actually growing them for like for edible mushrooms, like for a, I guess you could call it a garden of mushrooms. Or, or what would the term be for? A, a flush is actually what they call a crop of mushrooms. A flush of mushrooms. Flush of okay. Mushrooms. And it's such an involved process. It's not like if you wanted to grow tomatoes, where it's like here, dig a hole, dump the seeds in, water it, put that little cage thing so it has something to climb up because it's vines. It, it's so much more involved. 
and it was fascinating to me. And then we ended up having a conversation about Star Trek Discovery because in the first season of Star Trek Discovery, the whole concept of travel that the Discovery can use that's faster than warp drive is the mycelial network that runs through the entire galaxy. So they can get from one point to another instantaneously because they're using this network of spores and mushrooms, essentially. Uh, mycelium. Mycelium. Okay. Not mycelial. Okay. Mycelium. Well, mycelial refer, uh, refers the entire network of mycelium. It's plural. Mycelium is the, if you've ever plucked a mushroom out of the ground in your yard and you've seen those tiny little thread-like structures that are coming off the bottom, yeah. that's mycelium. That's okay. actually the fungus body itself. That's the actually, think of it this way. The mushroom is the apple. Those little threads of mycelium are the tree. Oh, Because okay. the mushrooms themselves are just how they get their spores out there. Like the apple has the seeds, the mushrooms have the spores. Wow. Didn't think yeah. you were gonna get this sort of education on GGR, did you guys? <laughs> I'm just I just called it a shroom drive, but that makes so much more sense and more fancy. There you go. <laughs> I like to put on airs. What can I say? Come for the fart jokes. <laughs> stay for the education. <laughs> yeah, but like that was it was just a fascinating conversation because like so often when it comes to the podcasting thing with the other group that I used to podcast with, it was just like, hey, we're gonna talk about weed, and it's like that was all they would talk about, and it was like. Now I get to have like an actual stimulating conversation about something that's actually interesting and instead of just like this mundane nonsense over and over again. So I appreciate yeah, instead that. Of, instead of weed, we're talking about shrooms. It makes sense. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was about to say. Well, you know, the standard shrooms are the uh, the psilocybin uh, family of mushrooms with the most commonly grown being the psilocybin cubensis are so easy to grow that you can actually grow them out of uh, half pint jars in your closet. Most of the work that I'm trying to do, I, I go, I, let's face it, I'll be honest. Yeah, I started there. I've grown me some magic mushrooms, and I've enjoyed me some magic mushrooms. But I just started looking at that. appreciate you sticking that up front. So. I, I, I've started looking at that process, and I already had a, a side hobby where I go out into the woods constantly and have been looking and finding edible gourmet mushrooms that you cannot find in the grocery stores. And I started thinking about that. It's like, well, what would it take to start growing? Let's say I love this chicken of the woods mushroom. It's usually grow uh, – the smallest one I've ever found has been a two-pound mushroom with the largest one being close to 10 pounds. Jesus one mushroom. And it tastes like chicken. And it's got the same stringy fiber as chicken. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's, really good. Yeah, It's, it's like, how can oh. I grow this at home? Instead of having to wait until the summer or the spring, then find the right tree that's actually infected with the mushroom, uh, the mycelium, and then it produced the mushroom and me find it before some other jackass comes out into the woods and finds it. So I was like, well, shit, I'll just take some of the spores, collect some of the spores, put them in the jar. It didn't work. So I found a book by Paul Stamets. The guy, Which is the guy who they, they named the engineer on Discovery after. Exactly. Yeah. I found a book by him about growing gourmet and medicinal mushrooms. Yeah. So I read that. Then I read another one of his books, which was The Mushroom Cultivator. And then I started you know, re getting more and more into him, following him on YouTube, and finding out how much of a scientific process it is. And I was like, this is fascinating. In fact, I just finished uh, last weekend building my laminar flow hood which is a very large air scrubber for a lack of a better term or just to dumb it down a little bit. It's a two by a two foot by two foot uh, air filter, a HEPA filter that removes 99.9% of the contaminants out of the air down to 0.3 microns in size. Mushroom spores, mold spores, most bacteria can't get through this filter. 
So when I plug that thing in and turn it on, I let it run in the room that I'm going to be doing my work in for about an hour. Yeah. All contaminants are removed from the air. So I know when I'm doing my sanitation work, where I'm creating this perfect environment for this, these fungi to grow, they don't have to worry about other contaminants getting in their way. Because when, let's say, uh, <clears throat> Pleurotus uh, orangi or the oyster mushroom, yeah. gets into a jar and some uh, black mold, I can't think of the name, uh, the scientific name for it at the moment, yeah. get into the same environment. When they meet each other on the food, they're going to fight, and they're going to start creating uh, antibodies against each other the same way that they found penicillin. It was discovered because of mushrooms meeting other bodies that they were trying to fight off. Yeah. They're spending energy doing that. Well, the uh, Pleurotus orangia, the oyster mushroom, is one of the strongest ones out there. It can kill most anything, but all that energy it's spent killing off a competitor is energy it doesn't have to produce a large flush of mushrooms. So by reducing all the contaminants in this perfect environment, because you can grow some nasty shit if you're not careful, is now, instead of fighting, is producing a much larger flush. I mean, I, again, to think that people are just like, oh, let's just put them on a salad. And like, it's, <laughs> there's, there, there's so much, there's so much more complexity to it than that's that. A that's a whole nother rant and something that people, you know, our listeners, let me do you all a favor right now. Don't put raw mushrooms on your salads don't eat raw mushrooms period it's not going to hurt you but there is a chemical compound in there called chitin it's the same chemical compound that uh insect exoskeletons are made out of your body can't break it down you're not getting the full uh nutritional value from your mushrooms if you're eating them raw you're basically eating part of it like an exoskeleton of an insect and wow. it's going through your system by cooking them at uh, and don't uh, when you saute saute at high temperatures and quickly. Once they start releasing a little bit of uh, liquid, pull them off. They're done. Wow. Okay. I wasn't expecting any of this. this but is not this, a conversation I expected. But it's not unwelcome in the slightest. No, because <laughs> like now I know how to. I'm excited because we've been putting them in. Um, we've been cutting back our meat consumption. Like we we talked about this before. Like mm-hmm. we've cut back our meat consumption in our family. Like by like. A ridiculous amount. We have very small amounts of meat now in our house just for health reasons. Mm-hmm. And we've been eating a lot more mushrooms. I hated them when I was a kid, but now I really enjoy them. And I've been looking for more ways to use them. Pfft, now I got some ideas. So like, I'm, I'm excited about this. Um, I want you guys to check his stuff out. Cause I enjoy speaking to the Hill hippie. Every time I come here, I make a point of like, even after my shows, if we don't get to talk while I'm recording, I make a point of like talking like before I leave, uh, leave the studio Great guy to talk to. Great guy to listen to. So tune into his shows. Uh, it is going to be Shock Monkeys, which is on FXBG Public Radio. Uh, it's also Otherland Dreams, mm-hmm. which is also on FXBG oh, Public shit. Radio. You see that? Well yeah. Played. Nice. Well played, yeah. sir. There it is. Both Developing of them, habits. Both shows, Tuesday night, uh, Shock Monkeys are at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and Otherland Dreams is at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. There you go. All right, guys. We're going to go ahead and turn the volume down on... Indiana Jones, because we are going to start with our special guest, because Phil's time is special. It is special. And I'm not going to waste it with our nonsense and chicanery, okay? I want him to be able to do his thing so that he's not like, what are these fools talking about? Phil, you're here for a reason, what? and I'm going to play your music. I have music? I was uh, just like, Phil has music. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You do. That's how special you are. I'm ready to go. Yeah, you should be because I'm gonna go ahead and pull this up. This is, I mean, it's not for like Calliope music to start. 
man, you guys. Well, I never click. <laughs> How dare you? Some 1920s piano music. <laughs> no, this was this was the music for. Wait for it. This was season one's theme song for Iron Fist. Was it? Yes. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, the song is by Apache and Sway called I'm a Dragon. But if you watch the trailer for season one, this is the song that they play. Oh, well, that's not a theme. But like also, like, well, there's no theme because let's be honest, now that Netflix has that skip intro option, there is no theme because no one listens to it. Most shows don't have themes anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I miss like those old like 80s like sitcom themes. I wish they would do those for like Netflix shows. Well, some of them they do. And unfortunately, like uh, I made the mistake of watching Fuller House for one episode. Uh, oh, no. And they, and they, re- they rehashed I mean, that old theme song. And I'm like, okay, I already know I'm in a, I'm in bad, but I got to watch the one episode. Look, everywhere you no. look, it's a cash grab. Yeah. Yep. I mean, Danny Tanner needs cash. Yeah. Wait, was he even in the show? Yeah, he's in it. Yeah. The he only was, the only ones that are not in it are Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen. Because they don't need them. I mean, I'm, I'm, oh, the, the successful ones. I'm yeah. proud to say that I have not watched a single fucking episode of that I show. I haven't. And my stepdaughter loves it, and I just I, I can't oh, watch it. I don't have. I don't understand the nostalgia for that garbage television. No. It was so bad. I don't want to watch it unless the Beach Boys show up again, but then they're going to be like in their 90s and like <laughs> using walkers and like forgetting things. Like, I'm DJ, remember me? Huh? What? Ah. Are you my granddaughter? <laughs> I tell you what, for me it was like, like a, it was like a car accident. Out. I just had. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Uh, that is an episode on uh, Shock Monkeys where we talked about Alanis Morissette and uh, Dave Coulier's connection. Oh yeah, yeah. No, yeah. that one. Yeah. I thought that was a myth. No, it's not. Okay. Alleged. <laughs> we'll we'll shelf that. Alleged. I'm allegedly just like uh, Boots and the Ginger, fucking ostrich. Allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. I heard the ostrich was sick. <laughs> You need at least three men. <laughs> I thought three people. What? So you sh- if you haven't watched Letterkenny, you should really watch Letterkenny. Watch Letterkenny because this is this is so like this is so like me- like if you haven't watched the show, you're not gonna get this they joke. Play out so a dirty. fucking like a joke. Like you don't even meet these characters until the end of the se- of the second yeah. season. No, the first season because they're in that fight with season. the uh, yeah. with the natives. Yeah, and it's the a big, joke that they big play out yeah, exactly. from the first episode through the entirety of the season. The best and it just though builds over time. But when Wayne is like, hang on. I've done my research, oh, and here's how they couldn't God. have fucked an ostrich. <laughs> it's, so, yeah, it's like diagrammed, like really specifically, and he's yeah. like, I, "No, it didn't happen." No, and, he, and it's like this really like weird Holmesian style, like no. breakdown of like, "No, there's no way that man could have been in that room." And, Ostriches can no... run up to sixty miles an hour. Yeah. Not only that, their main defensive mechanism is to use their large feet and talons to kick. Yeah. I don't think any person, let alone two people, would have been able to fuck an ostrich. Yeah. You're no witness. Way, there's no way that man could have the been in that part, ostrich. The best part about the exactly. ostrich thing is it starts off as one thing, and slowly extra details are added yeah, exactly. to make sure yeah. it's possible. It just they build on it. Really, I'm kind of have to rewatch the, those first two seasons. It's again. so good. Oh, it's so hell. good. Uh, anyways. And this was called Ugh. Letter Kenny. Letter, Letter Kenny. Kenny. It's on Letter Hulu. Kenny. One word. Yes. Oh, oh, only on Hulu. Oh, at yes. the moment, it's it's there's. You the can first find it seasons. online by other means. Okay, sure, let's yeah. be honest. But you yeah, say all the yeah high seas. and I have one of those means. I just want to know where I need to start looking. <laughs> it's Hulu like, was actually the best way to watch it yes. first time around. The the way I describe it is, it's like if Aaron Sorkin wrote a sitcom about hicks that live in Canada. 
It is super funny and really witty and quick. Um, they have the weirdest accent I've heard in a long time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because it's somewhere between yes. Canadian and Irish. Um, mm -hmm. And the town being called Letterkenny, there is a town in Ireland called Letterkenny. Yeah. And there's like mm -hmm. a specific... Well, then you've uh, also got like McMurray, who's Scottish, and he he's almost yeah. unintelligible. It's just it's fucking ridiculous, <laughs> but it's very much worth your time, Mike. Oh. Yeah, absolutely sold me on it. Yeah, it's a great show. But anyway, we're, we're here to talk about another show. <laughs> we're not going to get derailed. We're going to let Phil talk. Talk about a tangent. Because <laughs> we're going to talk about the treasure trail that is Iron Fist. Sir, treasure trail. Phil, before you start, I, I am I'm curious how how spoiler free is this review? Oh, it'll be completely spoiler-free. I okay. actually won't give anyone away because, like I said, it's still Friday. I give right. everyone the weekend before I start spoiling. Because I was gonna say, like, if it, if you if you got any any details, I just I just took the headphones off. Turns yeah. out it was all a dream. It was all a dream. There was an autistic <laughs> boy standing with a, with a snow globe inside of a Disney store. <laughs> And then he ends up on the side of a mountain right before he dies. You realize it was all a dream. Oh, it's a loop. Turns oh, out no. they were all dead to begin with. Oh, no. I, shouldn't have, I shouldn't have drank the Soma. Oh, no. the, the Galactica went back in time, and this is Earth in the past. Whoa. You should start talking before we do, Phil. Yes, please. Okay. <laughs> please stop us from okay. save us from ourselves, Phil. Tell us about all season right. two of Iron Fist. I am. I, I think I'm one of the only people on the face of the planet that actually really enjoyed the season one of Iron Fist. I know there were problems with it. I admit there were problems with it. I know that it needs to be improved. Is it an improvement over the first season? I will give you this. It is a much improved show from the first season. I will I will give you that. It is improved. They do a much better job in the direction. The writing's better. Um, and the acting actually is much better throughout, throughout the entire season. I will feel it with that. It's great. It is, I mean, the first season had so many problems with it that, uh, like someone once said, it couldn't go anywhere but up. And the second <laughs> season, like I said, from past season where they fired the showrunner and banished that poor dude to, like, Inhumans on ABC Ooh. and pretty much probably fired the entire writing team and got a whole new batch of people. Um, this batch and the guy who runs the new showrunner is named Raven Metzner, who actually is like from Heroes, and he wrote the and you'll forgive him the Electra movie, um, and a few other things, but kind of like is used to writing the, the hero genre. So for the most part, they actually did put an effort into pretty much to making sure that what you got was better than the first season. Okay. Um, light lighting's good, direction's good, production value actually is greatly improved. Um, the funny part about it is, is that filming for Iron Fist started the exact same time as Daredevil. So there's a lot of, I guess, equipment wise, it was probably easy to kind of work out the shooting schedules for all of that. So, so there's, there's so you'll episodes, be happy with the visual look of the series. So there's episodes where you see like Charlie Cox just like sitting in a chair, like drinking, drinking a soda, like camera's I, pans across. He's, <laughs> he's in like the full, uh, Daredevil costume, but he's sitting in like, with his office, just waves. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pay no attention to that even, extra behind the car, uh, curtain. <laughs> even though there are three stops away, Hell's Kitchen and Chinatown, where Iron Fist are in, are completely separate mm -hmm. in this particular case. <laughs> I mean, they are close to each other, but yeah, in this case, the story takes place in Chinatown, and it gives you kind of a deeper story between, I don't know if everyone remembers uh, Davos, uh, uh, Danny's Kunlun brother. Yeah. Um, he plays a really big role in this particular season. 
a huge role um, this season. Um, I don't, I, they, there isn't, they don't give away too much, but if you read the comic book, you'll know who Davos's character is, but for the non-initiated, I won't tell you that because you get a little surprise for that. Um, but Davos plays a huge part. Um, the big surprise, honestly, is the improvement in the characters of Ward and Buttonsham. Those are, you know, Danny's kind of childhood friends before he crashed. Um, they come in and they also play a really big part, but not in the way you expect, um, which is actually kind of nice to kind of see them grow. I think the biggest surprise and biggest pleasant a moment will be, well, two of them, uh, Simone Mizzix in it. And like everyone's already said the same thing, like her being in this particular season means it's a teaser for Daughters of the Dragon. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen, oh, but man. you know, if you watch it, you get a little tease for exactly see what that could look like. I would be so um, sold on that. Uh, yeah, I'm hyped. Yeah, Looking yeah. forward to it. Yeah, it's so. And then the, but honestly, for me, the biggest thing that got me hyped was uh, Alice Eve comes in as playing Typhoid Mary. What? Now, <laughs> yes. All right. Alice Eve. I know. I, I know she's usually a daredevil villain, but they brought her in for Danny and Iron Fist. Oh, um, interesting. And uh, yeah, and I gotta tell you. She does a really good job. I mean, the only real problem I have is she doesn't have the Frank Miller girl fro that I enjoy. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I'm going to let that go because she did say she does a good job of being. She works that crazy like it's a, like it's like it's a violin. It's beautiful. It is fun to watch. And the way they kind of work her in is it's subtle. But when she drops it, you're going. You have problems, young lady, um, and they do a good job with it. Like oh, throughout the thing, like the character, the characters they have are really great. Um, in regards to Danny and Colleen, um, there is, you know, they, they, there's a the usual couple tension that they have, and they are going to build it. And you know, in this series, what I will say, not spoilers, but there is a status quo that'll get shaken up, and. It'll definitely be. I think it'll definitely be a surprise for people who watched it, or even comic fans are like like readers and non-readers alike. But definitely okay. see some new stuff. So you're saying kind of shake up the status quo. So this is definitely worth watching. This is not a show that we should just nah forget it. I'll just wait until the next Daredevil or you know if they do another Defenders. Iron Fist season two is worth watching. Are you asking me for a review, or are you asking me if people should watch it? Let's go with let's go with the latter first. Should people watch it? Uh, yeah, you should. There are it's got enough stuff in it that they said they corrected a lot of the mistakes from the first season, and it is interesting enough to keep you at least keep you keep you enough to binge watch it. But where's um, where's the where's the butt? Um, or however, because I'm waiting for that. I, without, it felt like without, it was without introducing an actual thing, let's put it this way. Whereas season two is better than one, it's kind of like having a rash versus poison ivy. One's better than the other, but both are still unpleasant. It's like it's like broken arm or diarrhea. They both suck. Yeah. 
but one's not as bad as we the other. We all know which one we'd rather have. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's the lesser of two evils, in other words. Yeah, this is my opinion, and I deliberately, I, and I, I kind of didn't want to put a review because I, one of the things I know is like I don't, I know reviews have a way of kind of coloring people's vision. Either you hate the guy who's reviewing it, the opinion of the guy reviewing it, so you automatically go all in on a movie. Or, you know, you get a, someone puts a, a thing in your, a bug in your ear, and all of a sudden when you're watching it, it colors it. So I want people to watch it kind of be fair. Like, my opinion of it, I was not impressed with the season. Um, don't get me wrong. I had no illusions that it would be, like, a great thing. But, like, a friend of mine, Shereen, once said, it could have become, like, a guilty pleasure that you get to enjoy. And for me personally, I... After the first season, I threw out any notion of the comic book actually being like as close to it is because I know it's going to, you know, obviously I'll take liberties. But what I was kind of hoping for was a good story. And I think where they definitely tried in this first season to kind of make it more a better story and kind of really like push the head, you know, the Iron Fist thing and actually create a real Iron Fist mythos. Um, kind of like how they do with like all the other Netflix stuff, like Daredevil's World and. But with Iron Fist World, it was just it. I don't. I, it was, it was not believable, and not because. And this is what I will say: it's not because of the supporting characters, because everyone else is great. But for me personally, I think Danny and Colleen did not do a good enough job, kind of selling the world they're in. Um, it's it's a really big ass for them, and I don't think they could. I don't think they could carry it. Um, I think I think uh, Jessica Henwick, who plays Colleen, does a really good job when she's with Simone Lizic, which is why I'm kind of happy for the Daughters of the Dragon possibility. Um, but I think Finn Jones, I don't know if he can pull it off. But I will give him credit though; he did do the, he did put in the work, and his fight his fighting is better. Um, his physicality in the series is actually much better. Um, and he does put in a lot more effort than he did in the first season. There's there's a common thread here that I'm noticing though, because with this yeah. you, you just mentioned that um, that when we have Colleen and we have Misty together, Daughters of the Dragon, it's mm -hmm. just magic, right? And it's yeah, they are she is much better with yeah her her her, percent, her personality comes out much better with Simone Mizzet, um, okay. chemistry, chemistry wise, and that's just because Simone Mizzet's such a great actress that she pulls it out of her she, um, yeah. the way they work together. Yeah, and I think like, and this is just my opinion on this. In Luke Cage yeah. season two, which I enjoyed for the most part, my favorite episode was when we had Danny and Luke Cage together. Yeah. So maybe, just maybe, we get instead of a Luke Cage season three. I mean, we have to kind of get a Luke Cage season three based on the way that that season ended, season two ended. Mm -hmm. But like, I would be okay if we got a Daughters of the Dragon, Daughters of the Dragon, and then we also got to hear us for hire. Yeah, you my Power Man and Iron Fist show. Yeah, right. Like I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm all with that, and I think that that would be pretty awesome. I think the reason why that worked, I think the reason why that I actually kind of bought into the Danny improved thing was because of the fact that the writing team for Luke Cage is so much better than the crew they have at Iron Fist that they knew how to work with Danny or Penn Jones in this case and write a great character. Because in Luke Jones season two, he was engaging, he was great, he had a personality. And I actually liked seeing him on the screen. Like, I thought he was great. And putting those two together really was, like, magic to see them together. Which is actually kind of funny because in the comic books, Iron Fist got canceled. And the way they saved it was literally throwing him in with um, Power Man to kind of make the story work. So, I guess it's kind of following true to form. 
Well, there but, you go. Uh, yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, it was. It was interesting to watch season two, and I'm really curious to. I mean, now keep in mind also the interesting thing about the review was Netflix only released the first six episodes for review. Um, I ended up catching up on the rest of the season um, today. So. Um, after watching the rest of the season, I think the review I wrote for it pretty much still holds up. But I think people, there are certain points where people will be genuinely surprised about um, the direction the series goes at the end of it, though, which I'm kind of curious to see what everyone's response is. Okay. Well, Phil, if they wanted to read your review, where could they find this review? Uh, on adobe.com. That's I-D-O-B-I.com. And um, just look for Iron Fist. You know, just do the Googles, Adobe, and then Iron Fist Season 2. Do the Googles. And you should be able to pull it up. I like that. Uh, do the Googles. Do the Googles. Nope. That sounds so dirty. <laughs> well, Phil, I appreciate you, your review, buddy. You are welcome to join us for the next part of our uh, show. We're going to be doing the Geek Sheets, which uh, we're just talking about, the nerdy news of the week. Um, but if you got places to go and people to see, you are more than welcome to jump off, buddy. We appreciate your time. Ah. Now, I just smoked a blunt, so I'm good to go. That is so not true, by the way. <laughs> that is not true. But I feel like someone just said it. <laughs> because, because I don't know if Jay Rambo knows this, but I appreciate you, Rambo. I appreciate you, buddy. Aw. <laughs> I can feel the love. I uh, I was going through and trying to clean mm-hmm. up some stuff on my desktop yeah. today. Mm-hmm. And uh, I found... Going through like so, I have like a bunch of folders that are like from this hard drive, from this hard drive that have all like since died. Yeah, and one of them was uh, tasteless nudes of Phil, right? I wouldn't say tasteless. Um, exactly. <laughs> You're looking at a classy bitch right here. Like, my brain immediately went to that scene in Titanic where Rose is looking through Jack's drawings, and he's like, "No, no, no if you see, if you if you look on the next page, he's missing her leg." Um, <laughs> <so>. Rude. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, that's how you know we're friends. Oh um, damn. No, so is that what they call it? So, <laughs> Holy fuck! So I, uh, your friends are always the most brutal. You know this, right? <laughs> One of the folders was all of the photos my buddy Eden took from uh, from Free Comic Book Day. I want to say 2011. And oh yeah, it that was, was a good day. It was <laughs> me, Chris, uh, Chris Scott, uh, Phil, uh, Josh Lyman, Elvin Hernandez. Um, uh, our buddy Dustin, we just we just like a, a murderous row set up at a, at, at Victory <laughs> Comics, um, and it was it was nice. It was nice to see uh, see everybody and see me like forty pounds lighter. Um, <laughs> you know, you know, love those the pictures. best thing about that we that day was there was this, and I say this with all the love of the world. There was this horrible child there. Oh my God! Dad just dropped her off and like it was like. Here, you guys are artists. Take care of my child for yeah. me while I go buy comics. Have I'm fun. Like, <laughs> Just the goddamn worst. That kid would not let Chris get off with anything. It was just fucking with him the entire time. Couldn't have been more than like six or seven years old. And was just relentless to the point where like everybody, everybody who was drawing, because we we're all doing like free sketches for kids. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. We, yeah, we did that at, at Flashback in Woodbridge. Yeah. Ripping into mm-hmm. everything Chris draw, drew. Really? And like getting some pretty good jokes in. 
And so every, time, every time she'd say something and it would land, she'd kind of brighten up and she'd be like, oh, that's where to attack. And just keep going. Clever relentless. girl. Just, oh, my just awesome. God. Just owning him, huh? Just ripping into him, man. Oh. Well, and there was, I, like, I had a, a, a brother and sister come by and uh, brother, nice as can be, little sister, giant pain in the ass. And, and I'm drawing, I can't remember, I want to say it was like Han Solo maybe? For the mm-hmm. for the boy, and she's just talking shit about the drawing I'm making the entire time, and I'm like, uh huh. And so I finish, and he's like, "Thank you so much," and he steps off to the side, and she steps in front of me, and she's like, "Now I want the wasp." I'm like, "You little bitch, are you serious? You like, just you just trashed my yeah, work. You've just been no- like, doing nothing but like ripping into me the whole time, and now you're like, make me a thing. I'm like, oh God, Jesus." This is the deal I made with the store. Okay, I'll draw you a thing. That's what, and I that's what happened with Wu Tang for the kids. That's what <laughs> 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 the kids Wu Tang, uh, they'll never stop. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, yeah, oh my good god. times. Good right, times. Let's uh, let's transition here. We are going to jump into the geek sheets. Steve, are you ready for the geek sheets? Steve, are you there? No. Steve, turn on the mic. <laughs> Steven. I don't know if he's there. Oh, oh no. no. Did we lose Steve? No. Oh, hang on a second. I have a text. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna give the re- he's gonna give the report by a text. No. Hold please. There's been communication. Hey guys, this is Steve. Hang on, I gotta read to the next one. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, he will be back momentarily. Steve. Okay. Steve is a is the father of a young boy. Um, one. His name is Jack. We like Jack. Jack's a good kid. Um, so he has fatherly duties to attend to. So we'll give him a moment, okay. and then when he comes back. We'll jump into the Geek Sheets. Um, but if you guys want to check out the Geek Sheets, if you want to read along at home, which you can definitely do, you want to go to greatgeekrefuge.com, and the title for this particular article is going to be... Um, it's Geek Sheets, first week of September. Um, but if you just go on the main page, there's a link right there, so you can click on it. Um, but it's good stuff. This has been like our new little segment that we've gotten here. So as soon as Steve comes back... Oh, he's back! Hey, Steve, you're back. Hooray! Hey, oh, oh, hey. welcome oh, back. Shit, good timing. Oh my! You ready for the geek sheets, bud? I was born ready for the geek sheets, son. All right, let's do this. <laughs> let's hit. Let's hit that theme music. It's time for the geek sheets. Here's the big news this week in the geeky nerdy world. These it's are the geek every sheets. Time. I know, right? I love it. These are the geek sheets for the first week of September 2018. Mr. Monic, why don't you go ahead and kick off the geek sheets? Kick off? Like, kick off your shoes? Is that what we're talking about here? It's like it's a segue. Whoa. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, so it's a little probably, like, on the border of the geeky stuff that we, as a group, normally talk about. But it's movies. We like movies. It's classic cinema. Um, have you guys ever heard of a movie uh, uh, called Wizard of Oz? Wizard? I'm sorry. Wiz- Wizard um, of Oz. Wizard of it. Is I that love about that witchcraft? Because you know my, just, my religion does not allow. As a good stuff. Christian man, I cannot allow this conversation <laughs> to continue. Oh God, I'm in the wrong place. <laughs> oh, oh God, oh God, back out slowly, back out slowly. Right. This Stop took a turn I was not expecting, and I don't know where to go. I'm very afraid. Um, no, but yeah, so um, 
and I didn't know this, but apparently there's you know multiple sets of these ruby slippers from the movie The Wizard of Oz, and one of them was stolen. So in like a real life heist kind of way, it was stolen from uh, what's her face Judy Garland's museum in Minnesota, and after 13 years, the FBI found them. What? What? The question that so, I have about this: What are you going to do with ruby slippers? Yeah. Wear them. The, okay, is everybody else? Uh, yeah, is everybody else picturing this like I am, like Buffalo Bill from Silence of the that Lambs, was yes. just like head. just yes. naked wearing those, like just looking at yourself in a full length mirror, just like, would you f me? Yeah. I'd f me. I'd f here's me my, over the rainbow. Here's my question: What's the street value of movie slippers? Mike, I was trying to think of a joke to make that work, and I couldn't think of anything. And then the tag, the tag came in. Oh, well done. Just out of curiosity, obviously the street value for Ruby slippers were underestimated by this gentleman because there ain't nothing available. You got if you got them shoes after fourteen years, two thousand five, so, two thousand five sat on those shoes. Hopefully not literally, but like wait, had wait, those wait, shoes. What do, you, what do you do with them? That's my point. They got what's the street value on that? Yeah, like it, it had to be one of the situations where it's like a deranged fan. Cause it, like even like when they sell uh, or uh, like it's like when people steal art, it's like mm-hmm. there's one of them. There's one piece yeah. of that particular art or whatever. It, it, people are gonna know what that you stole it. You know, I mean, I, I don't, right. I don't understand these kind of crimes, but I don't know. It's like a real life like oceans. You gotta have fourteen a good fence, or whatever. Man. Oceans fabulous oh. is what it was. <laughs> um, fabulous. Yeah, that's why they stole Julie Garland's shoes. Um, I. The thing that blew blew me away about the story is not so much that somebody stole the ruby slippers in the first place. It's that the FBI is involved in this. Right? Like I just imagine like like a hard ass like FBI investigator. <laughs> I mean just like like chiseled jaw, sunglasses. McGraw on exactly. the case. Like Ta- Tommy Lee Jones like, looking motherfucker. Exactly. Like finds like a clue of like one of those little like flakes of ruby red crystal on like on a ground somewhere and he picks it up and like tastes it, you know? And he's just like it's close. <laughs> And like just like stare like stare exactly pulls off his glasses yeah exactly like yeah this some serious shit you son of a bitch and like grabs the dude who stole him like by the back of the neck and like slams his face against a wall where are the ruby slippers like I don't know I swear to God swear to me he's like Batman just all of a sudden so the I mean the only thing I can figure is it was probably because of the the value of the item. So it was worth so much money that like that becomes I mean, an FBI matter. It, it had to be a collector who just liked having stuff. Or, other things in a person's house. Or like, and I'm gonna have, like, take it to know. a dark place because I'm a twisted the jacket from Wiz. I don't know something. <laughs> <laughs> he he might have just had a foot fetish, so he likes sniffing them. Judy Garland's feet were in these. <laughs> Sure. It's possible. I mean, I we did go to a Silence like, of the Lambs. I kind of like that track a little bit better. Like he didn't even know they were famous. He was just like some creep. Who's into these like that so kind of pretty, stuff? Right. And he just saw a pretty pair of shoes, and he's like, "Oh, I'll take these." Those are the prettiest yeah. shoes I've ever seen in my life. They were found <laughs> in a hat box inside <laughs> of a closet behind a bowling ball. <laughs> Ooh, shiny! Yeah, they were just there. Um, but like the FBI does some does some shit that blows my mind, right? So they find the ruby slippers. But also after the Super Bowl two years ago, Tom Brady's football jersey got stolen. Like, out of the locker room by just some rando dude. And who found this jersey? The FBI. Like, they have, like, this, like, special unit. Like, I feel like it's the next Law & Order SVU. Like, it's Law & Order (laughs) weird shit that was stolen from celebrities' crimes unit. Like, it's just, like, a weird... That's a bad segue coming up, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) 
you feel like they should be doing something, I don't know, more relevant. Right. To the safety of the nation. Yeah. Like, like knocking off. Like probably who killed Tupac and Biggie? Nah, they right. ain't going to find that out. But they'll find Tom Brady's jersey. That assumes Tupac's dead. So it's a faulty <laughs> premise from the start. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's fair. That's correction. Fair. Correction. Tupac is alive. Uh, I knew it. I knew he couldn't be dead. Um, yeah, I mean, I just, in general, like, it's, there's a subset, like, quick disclosure, I, I gotta be careful about it, what I say, because I can't say too much, but, like, in my other job that I do, um, I help people ensure things, and one of the things that somebody called me about was a collection of, and it made me laugh, because when Rambo mentioned it, it made me think of it, a collection of Judy Garland-inspired snow globes. And he wanted me to, in, to ensure these. And the conversation that we had had, the person was very normal. The whole call was just very like, like, yeah, yeah, no, I got my house. And, you know, it's in this place and everything's cool, right? right? And, and like, we're, like, kind of having, like, a good rapport. And I said to him, I was like, hey, is there anything special you need to ensure, like, jewelry? And he's like, yeah, I have this collection of Judy Garland snow globes. And he says it, and I think it's a joke. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah, of course. He's like, no, I'm serious. And I'm like, oops. Oh. And then he proceeds to list off the values of these things. And it was just like, it blew my mind at how expensive he thought these things were. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm sorry, sir, we can't insure those for you. Well, why not? These are these are priceless. Well, we can replace them for like another snow globe. So like 20, 30 bucks, you want that? He, no, <laughs> these are special edition. Like Judy Garland breathed on the glass and cleaned it for me. Like it, it was what just- What the no. fuck? Yeah. <laughs> It was just. It was. Did he was, send you? Did he send you pictures of them? Because I'm curious to know what they look like. Um, no, he did not. No, he did not. <laughs> but like, it was. It was a whole. It was a whole thing. But um, I the the subset of collector in general is just a little bit creepy to me. The people who are like obsessive collectors, because there's people who are like that with Star Trek stuff. Mm. There's people like that who, mm. with every movie, every film, every TV show, there's like people who collect everything, like Pez dispensers. Yeah, or like um, those old like like shows from the 50s. They'll collect all the lunch boxes for them. Oh yeah, like man. Howdy oh, Doody and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and they're worth like thousands and thousands of dollars, and like they'll have basements oh. full of it. Yeah, it's just it's it's absolutely insane. I miss and the it's old one thing to like. Box. For, you know, we like comic books, so it'd be one thing to like collect a bunch of comic books or a bunch of movies or something because it's the actual media itself. But you're talking about like all the strange merchandise that was created based off the media. Like you see these people, they're like, I have a Simpsons house, and the house itself looks like the Simpsons house, and it's just filled with every piece of Simpsons memorabilia that's ever existed. And you're like, when do you work? Like, <laughs> how do you afford all of it? Like, what is happening? That's the part that blows my mind is some of this stuff costs so much. Like we're talking about these ruby slippers, like how much they, you know, some indecipherable amount that they cost. Like, how do you buy something like that? Yeah. Who, who has these regular jobs? Well, apparently you don't buy working, them. You steal them. Down the street, the sheets. Yeah. Um, so he's got a freaking Simpsons house. So <laughs> I've, I, I've been so curious since the FBI was referenced yeah. that I'm trying to figure out why they were involved in this investigation. Yeah. <laughs> I can only assume that it falls under uh, one of the things the FBI uh, uh, investigates is organized crime. And that falls under transnational organized crime uh, or TOC. Um, and from the FBI.gov website, 
comes this description. With few exceptions, TOC Groups' uh, primary goal is economic gain, and they will employ an array of lawful and illicit schemes to generate profit. Crimes such as drug trafficking, migrant smuggling, human trafficking, money laundering, firearms trafficking, illegal gambling, extortion, da 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 And then one of the last things is cultural property smuggling. A wow. football jersey from the winning quarterback of the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. The ruby slippers from a. There you go. From an icon. Cultural yeah. property. Yeah. Wow. And if it's being moved around again, it, it, it had to be like the sheer vo- the value of it. Yeah. Because um, if it was worth, if <laughs> if the guy who had the Judy Carlin snow globes, if those all disappeared, FBI doesn't give two shits. But <laughs> if one of those was like made by Garland herself, then that might be more significant. In her later years when she was going senile, just making snow globes. <laughs> yeah, all the snow is actually like ground up Valium inside. <laughs> oh, I mean, honestly, at that point, that would mean the shoes probably had to change hands at least more than a handful of times because someone was using this currency for something. Mm-hmm. Is anybody else so, picturing the, the, the shoes like the one ring to rule them all and Lord of the Rings just changing hands and like corrupting that person? Every, yeah. People like getting called to, yeah, by, exactly. uh, to put them on. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, <laughs> Click your heels. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, mine is a little worse. I'm like, I just have a vision of some dude with like seven bricks of bricks or like cocaine or meth or whatever. Putting it on a table and some dude going into his bag and pulling out the shoes. <laughs> we're good. Not seeing, not seeing anything beyond just like we're good. dropping them and never breaks eye contact. Just slides them across the table. Same time, man. Same yeah. time. Hold, up. Same Hold time. on, I'm gonna have to get my boy in here to verify these are real. <laughs> I got an expert. Got that, Let me call him. Got that quick. jeweler's glass it's in his just, eye looking at the yeah. shoes. <laughs> fucking nerd in in what was once a full size shirt but is now a half shirt <laughs> with, with Glenda on it. <laughs> And he's like, yeah, that looks legit. <laughs> looks good to me. You see the Sounds scuff marks good. on the inside of the heels? You yeah. can tell that they've actually been clicked together. This is actually, times. these were worn at the end of the movie when she was clicking her heels and saying there's no place like home. Yeah, so these the, are the final shoes. All the sequins are worn away in that one spot. Because yeah. <laughs> it took 27 takes to get that one Pleasure shot. Doing business Thank you, Antonio. <laughs> Antonio. You can go. All right, guys, on that note, let's transition to our next topic. Yeah, I don't even like. There's there's no segue to be had after that conversation. No. Um, I just want we wanted to talk a little bit about um, Tarantino's Star Trek movie that that is coming out hopefully in the near future Which is and miraculously they want still it to be rated R. Um, yeah. So yeah, I wanted to kind of have a conversation among the group of of guys here. Like, what would you feel about an R-rated Star Trek film? It's why not? Yeah, I guess. I mean, like the the. The one thing that trips me up is, um, for me, like, Star Trek was a thing that I used to, not, not, I didn't use it, but, like, I guess if anybody used it, my dad used it to bond with me, and it was something that he and I both shared, and I probably wouldn't have been able to do that with an R-rated movie, so that's the thing that kind of trips me up, um, but that notwithstanding, I mean, yeah, why not? it, It really falls to how many, um... How many versions of, of what thing are we going to be able to get uh, um, into the culture? And by that, I mean 
you know, if this is the only Star Trek movie we're going to get for the next, like, five years, then I have an issue with it. But yeah. if it's going to be just, like, a regular thing, we're like, yeah, we have Star Trek series, and we have Star Trek movies, and there's Star Trek video games. Sure, yeah. Well, we know do... there's another ep- uh, no, uh, new show coming out, because Patrick Stewart yeah. already said he's coming back they've to got, Picard. That's true. They've got season two of Discovery coming up soon. They've got the Picard yep. series that's going to happen. This is going to happen. Supposedly, it's not even, like, solidified yet. Like, this is not 100% going to happen. But no, and, he wants and to so do going one. back to the story with it, like I guess like Carl Urban is the one who kind of actually reported, so to speak, that there's uh, talks about it being R-rated, and mm-hmm. it, he's familiar with the pitch that Tarantino gave to to the studio, um, and he's saying that the R rating isn't going to be your Tarantino um, language, but it's more for your tar- Tarantino gore, um, and it's more like it, the the phrase are thrown around is it captures the horrors of space. So if you're wow. getting like that aspect of it and then you juxtapose that against like Discovery and the new Patrick Stewart one where they're doing more of your classic Star Trek kind of with you guys, it, it's nice to just have a different flavor of Star Trek out yeah. there in the same universe. But can we really trust Aomir to give us actual <laughs> factual information here? I'm not going to lie. I'm going to go for an unpopular opinion. Um, I don't mind an R-rated movie. I just don't think Quentin Tarantino can direct a movie. Like I've never liked any of his movies. Wow, just like that's a hot yeah, take. Yeah, I said. Yes, I said. Wow, damn. I mean, like, that is an unpopular opinion, but I'm like, yeah. Okay, let me put it this way. He has his own genre. Do I think he could do a Star Trek movie? I, no, I don't. I don't think he has the ability to diversify his talent to do that. I can, work. I can kind of see that. I don't see him as a sci-fi. Like I could see it, you know what? You know how I could see it actually. If he did a period piece Star Trek movie and it was set in the '60s, that's something I was thinking. <laughs> about. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that cheesy sci-fi. Like because he goes for that whole grindhouse thing, and mm-hmm. like that would totally fit for him. And like, I mean, he's welcome to surprise me, but I'm just, yeah. I don't see it either. Like, I, don't, I don't. Yeah, I mean, at this point, you know, a leopard doesn't change his spots, and Tarantino does essentially the same movie. Well, I mean, also, Phil, if you're eight movies in and you're like, well, we'll see. No, you won't see. That's it. You, 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 we, we've pretty much solidified what you're going to think about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Surprise me. Nope, not going to happen. Yeah, I hated all the Harry Potters, but I got to Deathly Hallows. And, you know, I got to say, it really turned me around on the whole series. Why'd you keep reading them? Cultural literacy. <laughs> I'm culturally illiterate. <laughs> I am. I don't think I am. Pl- I am always looking to be surprised by someone. They're like they said. As much as I like, I, from the Star Trek stuff we did, like as much as I this like you know the JJ you know Fast and the Furious Star Trek Fast and the Furious. As much as I railed on it, I thoroughly enjoyed the hell out of that that movie. It was great. I did too. A when mo- they played that Beastie Boys song, a motorcycle going yeah. up the side of a mountain mm-hmm. and then teleporting off of it. Yes, it's legit. I'll go with that. Yeah. Yeah, how do we stop the bad guy aliens, Beastie Boys? We play the Beastie yeah. Boys. <laughs> yeah. And now it is two, two times coincidence, three times pattern. If it happens in the third movie, yeah. now it's like, okay, well, well, now we have to have this featured in literally every film going exactly. forward. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, yeah. you know, it can't be any worse than Star Trek Nemesis. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. It that can't. was a thing. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm also somebody leaning toward an R rating. Um, before there's even a script, always mm-hmm. gives me pause. Yeah, it was because it's like, why not just make a good story? Why do you have to force it? Exactly. Yeah, like yeah. like that was my big worry with Deadpool. I was yeah. like, 
oh, you're going to do a bunch of dick and fart jokes, <laughs> but you're going to say fuck a lot like you're an eight-year-old who's finally learned what that word means but doesn't really have the context or ability to use it properly. Um, and I was, I'm happy to say I was very pleasantly uh, uh, surprised by what I got. But, um, but it was definitely like, well... Are you it. trying to make your thing and have that, you know, yeah. hey, if, if people are, if it gets an R rating, gets an R rating, yeah. or you just be like, we're going to get an R rating. I, um, oh, you watch. I have a perfect analogy for this. I have a nine-year-old son. And for the most part, my wife and I are very liberal parents with the way we, we are strict with him. Language is not something we really crack down on him for, for the most part. So he'll say, he said something the other day. It was like, damn, you know, like. He's been saying this since he was like like six or seven. He heard my mom say it one time before she passed away, and he thought it was the funniest thing ever. So he started saying hot damn all the time, and we just think it's hilarious. <laughs> so like we just let it slide, right? Like I'll be like, Jax, you want to go get some hot, uh, go get some ice cream? Hot damn, hot let's do damn. it. And I'm like, and it, he just sounds like this little like this little like southern dude, like little like a little Jerry Lewis, Jerry Lee Lewis, you know? Woo, great balls of fire, hot damn. I'm like, all right, kid, let's do it. But he's stretching the boundaries now. Oh, and yeah. he's saying some other curse words. Uh-oh. And we had to we had to nip it in the bud today at, at dinner when he was eating something. And he said, I can't remember what he said. He said something, some curse word. And I was like, all right. And I looked at Sandy, and Sandy kind of was like, yeah, no, we got to stop this now. And I was like, dude, you were just doing it just to say you're doing it for the shock value. I was like, it's one thing when it's funny. Right now, it's not funny. And he was just like, okay, I'm sorry. And like, that's how I feel with a lot of these R-rated movies. It's like, like you said, like a little kid has got control of the of the language now, and now they want to use these words because it makes them feel like they're adult. Like, it makes them feel like it's going to give more punch to it. Star Trek doesn't need more punch. Star Trek needs good stories. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was the problem with these movies, is the last one, um, Star Trek Beyond, as uh, Phil was saying, was fun. Yeah. The story was interesting. Like, I thought that scene when they were on that space station on the Yorktown, that was incredible. Yeah. Like, it was, it was almost like Inception. It was really, really well done with the 3D and the moving. St- it was, it was mm-hmm. just really, really well done. Um, they needed that after, the, after Into Darkness, which I'm not yeah. going to go into because you guys Ugh. heard me rant about that. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But that, they need good stories because Into Darkness was proof that they don't have good stories. They started with a good story, and then they got lazy. They need a good story for Star Trek, not an R rating. Yeah. That's not why people aren't going to see these movies. So here's like into a little bit of defense of this idea, not necessarily yeah. Tarantino or anything, but the concept of it being an R-rated. Like, was it? It was two or three podcasts ago, I believe it was you, Rambo. We were talking about uh, Aquaman, yeah, and we were talking about like the horror version of Aquaman, where it's like the story is they're down in the trench, and and, and it's a, a very like blending that comic book feel but adding a horror element to it. Sure. If that's yeah. the way they're going with it, where it's like, they're saying the horrors of space where it's like, there are like these truly like terrifying monsters that they land on a planet and the whole thing takes place, you know, in this one area. Or, I mean, it's literally like a vacuous void and we seen people get blown out into space all the time. But I mean, when you really think about it, it's like, it's that's horrifying. It's cold yeah. and there's no air. And I mean, you just, you kind of explode and fall apart. Um, so, you know, if that's why they're saying we're going to get an R rating because that is the genre that we want to do. We want to blend the sci-fi and the horror together, um, almost like an, like an alien type feel that um, like that I'd be okay with that. Space. If it's like, you guys are saying, it's like, look, my name's Quentin Tarantino and I get R ratings. Then that's kind of like, well, 
what's the point of that then? Like you well, need to have Jim a reason, but if the fuck. reason is to feel the tone they're going for, I, I could get behind that. I feel like he just wants to put green space titties bouncing in the movie. <laughs> I mean, uh, if if yeah. it were if it were a lot of other directors, I'd agree with you. But if I mean, honestly, Steve said said how I felt before I could say it. Um, if it's if it has purpose, yeah. If what you're doing has purpose, cool, I'm down. Yeah. But if it's just like, oh, I can do whatever I want. All right, great. I'm just gonna do a bunch of lewd shit, and I'm gonna yeah. you know. Have some tits show up, and I'm gonna have. You I'm gonna know, have uh, Ricardo Montalban show up and and do a scene like they did with the Gimp in uh, Pulp Fiction. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, it's a whole thing, oh. you know. So it would be a you whole thing. come into my lair, <laughs> Samurai sword with don't, Sulu. Don't forget the thing. prosthetic chest he has. That's also like the fact that this thing is even still being talked about. I yeah. was sure this was never gonna go anywhere. No, me, yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, Didn't I, they lose uh, two of the main actors for the movie? Yes, yes they did. Yes, yes and no. They did. Because Pine was just interviewed, and they asked him about it. And he was like, I'm still open to be in this movie. Well, that so, ain't, no, no, that's not you. No, that's that's your way of saying, if you pay me enough, I'll do it. Which that, that's, that's not that he's in issue. on that movie. That was the issue. Was yeah. Paramount was like... Hey guys, so that last movie didn't do quite as well as we were gonna, we were hoping for. So we're gonna cut your contract down. Yeah. And both him and um, Hemsworth, yeah. Hemsworth were like, "Fuck mm. that noise." Um, <laughs> Pine's we're like, good. "Do you know who I am? Like, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm James go, T. Kirk. I'm gonna go do another Wonder Woman movie while you guys can kiss all of my ass." Yeah. And then <laughs> Thor is like, "Fuck you." <laughs> I'm fucking Thor, yeah, man. I'm a little busy. I so don't need you. I'm still carrying. Yolnir on my belt. Yeah, like, exactly. you know who I am? Yeah. Stormbreaker now, no, man. A, Come on. That's right. Yeah, Stormbreaker. Thank move you. on Paramount's part to be like, yeah. we're going we're gonna to renegotiate in our favor. And you're like, really? It's the it's the fourth movie. Like, we're well into this now. Mm-hmm. You really didn't think you're going to try and pull this? Nice try. That's ballsy on Paramount has a history of this, though. And the negotiations with Star Trek are always really, really funky. They're old Hollywood, man. Um, when Star Trek Three came out, that was directed by Leonard Nimoy. And they were like, you did a pretty good job of this movie. This movie was solid. It wasn't as good as two, but nothing could be. That was an amazing movie. We'll let you do Star Trek four. And then Star Trek four sold ridiculous amounts of tickets. It was like the most popular Star Trek movie that's ever come out. And then Shatner got pissed and he was like, why are you letting the the fucking Vulcan direct shit? I'm the captain. Let me direct. They let him direct the biggest, shittiest piece of Star Trek ever. And then it all fell apart. And they were like, you know what? We're done with you guys. Do one more movie and just get the hell off the set. And like, I can't remember which one's five. So five is the final frontier. This is the one where they go to meet God. Yeah. I've oh, that's right. That one haunts you, doesn't it? Wasn't that the undiscovered country? No, the undiscovered country is the one with the that's Klingons where it's like, yeah. they, 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 they Is it the third one? No. No. No, that's the, fi- the sixth one. Yeah, the sixth one is undiscovered. Jesus. Country. Oh, is that a uh, uh, Christopher Lloyd as a? Or, or not Christopher? Christopher Lloyd is a Klingon one. in the third one. Right. Uh, Christopher Plummer spot. is the one with the surgically attached eye patch, where it's like bolted oh, into his head. Yeah. Oh, that's why that's in Galaxy Quest. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> that's uh, why that's in Galaxy God. Quest. 
<laughs> that's like, a, that's a moment for Galaxy Quest, right? Like that movie's amazing. It's amazing. Yes. Yes. Have you guys heard heard Patrick Stewart talk about that movie? How he said it's the best Star Trek movie that came out well, in years. That, but yeah. well, he, he was like, he's like, I'm not going to watch this stupid movie. And then Jonathan Frakes called him, was like, We need to go watch this now. <laughs> yeah. And so like him and Brent Spiner and uh, uh, just like the whole, pretty much the whole fucking cast went and saw Galaxy Quest together, and they're like, This is amazing. It's it's the reaction. <laughs> That uh, that bands had to watching this is Spinal Tap, where they're oh. like, "What the fuck was going on? Did you have cameras on all the time?" <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh man. Yeah. That's... Makes me so happy. Yeah. It, it's it, you know you know when the when the spoof is better than the real thing. That's what they were saying. Is like they were saying it was so dead on that like Tim Allen like was so William Shatner he was ridiculous, <laughs> and that um. Alan Rickman was was Leonard Nimoy to like a T, and then so you manage to get your shirt off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So is the interesting thing about Paramount. So you know Star Trek Discovery and their all their big plans. Apparently they are hell bent on bringing back like an actual Star Trek universe, hmm. where as they put it, at any given point in time, they would like Star Trek plan on CBS All Access for whoever has it. Yeah. Um, all the time. Like, they at least have the Patrick Stewart thing, which is, like you said, a mini, it's more of a mini series. But then they're like, they want to do a full on, like, full on spin off. One of them, which, you know, they're talking to Michelle Yeoh about her doing one about her character going through space, being a pirate, I guess, which I'm okay with. Yeah, fucking that. And, like, and then a bunch of other, like, random stuff. But they're, like, shooting for, like, maybe three or four Star Trek individual shows on all access just to justify it, which. Again, I don't understand why they were trying to shoot themselves in the face with the movies because you assume that'd be a nice advertisement for all access. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Now, you you do it like you you do it like 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 TN, the TNG movies where yeah. it's like you know you could you could have the movies be Jesus Christ you could have it be like they handle crossovers in comics. Yeah, where it's like the season is build up and then the movie is actually payoff for yeah. the show. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it would be it would be interesting, and um, I got to say real quick, uh, Ulysses E. Campbell is listening, and he's commented a couple hey, times. He said, um, "Hey, he what said, is your old man opinion on Star Trek?" <laughs> he said, "Oh, <laughs> you nailed it," because he said, "Oh Lord, I'm listening to children talk about Star Trek. You boys need to stop." <laughs> Sorry, Dad. I love you. I, Yulia, I love you so much. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and I've known him for many years <laughs> now. And every you, time I hear him see see some, him say something on Facebook, I share the clipping of Grandpa Simpson. Old man <laughs> yells at Cloud because his he's, we, there's 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 more than a few years between the two of us, and his uh, his opinion on pop culture is is uh, steeped in, in some time ago. I'll put it that way. Can I ask a question? Does this guy? Oh, no, Gran Torino? Ulysses? No, no, he does not. No, <laughs> no just, just so you know, it's Ulysses E. Campbell, and the E stands for every goddamn day. So. <laughs> every goddamn day. <laughs> all right, guys, let's West move. by God, Virginia, all West. right. Woo! Let's move on to uh, story number three. Steve, take us home, buddy. Oh, okay. Um, so this one, actually, I thought was going to be the one that we're going to have a lot more conversation on, but damn, that Star Trek one took off. Um, so this one, uh, Dom Hall Gleason, the guy who plays General Hux in the Star uh, Star Wars uh, sequel trilogy here, um, he recently read the entire Episode Nine script 
And then he went, oh, shit, I know everything about episode nine. <laughs> and now I have to not say anything ever. <laughs> oh, I've made a horrible mistake. He's, um, he's so and, paranoid. And, it's so great. He doesn't want yeah, to be he's the next Tom Holland. Yeah, he's basically just freaking out. He's like, that was great. Oh, God, no. Um, and and he, he's like literally saying, like, I'm afraid to fall asleep on planes and like mumble stuff in my sleep. And then have to pay people off. Like, uh, it turns out that Luke isn't dead. It was all a fake. Uh, what? what? <laughs> He's like in full, full paranoia mode. So I, I thought that was hilarious. And then we could just talk a little bit about like the culture of spoilers and leaks and set photos and all that good stuff. Because um, it's just interesting how like paranoid th- th- we're making these actors <laughs> that yeah. they're like, I, like throwing their ambient away and stuff because they're afraid of what might happen in their sleep. I mean, does this guy have a history of talking in his sleep or some shit? Because that's not something, you know, if I'm keeping a secret from somebody, I'm not worried about spilling it as I'm sleeping. I'm, I unless there's, you've got that problem. I think it's a combination for him, though, because what this tells me is that he's really excited about what happens in Episode Nine. Mm-hmm. That this is an exciting mm-hmm. script. So mm-hmm. this is really, like, it's, it's a really well-crafted um, PR move. Because him saying that has everybody going... Oh my God! What is it that he could possibly leak that would be so like mind blowing that that he's afraid he's going to say something? That's part of it. But I also like like we mentioned Tom Holland. I want to say um, I want to say Ben Affleck has gotten crap for it too for leaking story stuff like mm-hmm. in interviews. Like mm-hmm. this is a, a huge thing. And like I just I'm of the weird belief that spoilers don't matter because I'm with you. and the reason why I say that. And we've talked about it on GDR before. I, I don't really think that spoilers matter because it doesn't matter what actually happens. It's how it's executed. So, mm-hmm. like, if, for instance, you know that in in Forrest Gump that Jenny's going to die, right? Okay, well, Jenny's going to die. Well, that sucks. People die in movies. Okay, cool. But when you find out, like, how devastating it is because they've had this star-crossed love, like, Forrest has just pined for her for years and she's off doing drugs and other dudes and whatever. And then they finally get back together at the end, but it turns out she's dying. Like it's not as emotionally resonant until you've seen all of the details and mm-hmm. you see how well-crafted the story is. Cause if you don't see that, none of it matters. Right. You know, like the buildup and the groundwork exactly. that leads to that moment. Exactly. Like that's why when, even when people are like, Oh, we just went and saw the new Avengers movie. Um, Oh wait, you haven't seen it yet. We can't talk about it. I'm like, I don't care. Talk about it. Cool. Like, yeah. I knew everybody that was going to, you know, disappear with the snap. Mm -hmm. And it didn't bother me because I still watched it and it was still emotionally resonant. I was like, damn. Like, like, you are a cold, heartless person. If you watch that Spider-Man scene and you're just like, whatever, there's another Spider-Man movie coming out (laughs) soon. We know he's going to come back. Like, that was still rough. Yeah, right. And like, there's a few exceptions. I'm generally on the same page as you. There's a few exceptions where there's a film that's... um, basically got the big twist at the end Ah, and that's one where i don't want the big twist ruined because you watch the film the first time and you don't know what's coming and you get the big twist then you get to watch the film a second time and it's almost like it's a different movie Mm. because you're watching it through a different lens it's like Ah, it's like like when you go to the eye doctor and they're like better one or two and you're looking at the same image but you're seeing it differently um so that's the only time where like fight i try to like if i hear like oh there's a big spoiler at the very end and you're like okay this one i might hold off on but generally speaking i'm I'm with you like if if 
I know that a certain person dies or they, oh, this character ends up showing up as a little Easter egg cameo. Like that doesn't affect the the viewing pleasure that I have in the in the theater. Yeah, like uh, the original Saw. If you knew that twist yeah. going into it. It makes it a completely different fucking movie. Yeah, I agree. It changes the yeah, experience. Fight Club, for example. Yeah, like, you know, Club, something, yeah. something along those lines. Like Elliot and, and, and fucking grow enjoyment a little bit more really? each time you watch it because then you're picking up little bits. You're like, man, I should have seen it there. Or like, oh, they they laid it out so beautifully on this scene, and, and I just mm-hmm. missed it. You know what I mean? Um, sometimes you can you get a little more enjoyment that way. I would say, the can't same. you just still make the same argument that just let someone enjoy the movie without saying anything? Sure, like just exactly. Literally, just let just let someone go into the movie. Like, don't try to spoil it. Just and not even like it's a spoiler. Just go let someone walk into the movie blind like you did, and just give them the pleasure of actually enjoying yeah. that movie. Like I, that's that's the reason why it bothers me with spoilers because it, in my opinion, like you said, it kind of taints someone's opinion of like what the movie's going to come. And I mean, that's what that's that's my real complaint about spoilers. Like. Avengers yeah. Infinity War, honestly, anyone who's read the book, you knew how it was going to end. You kind of knew how it was going to end. So you, so that was a big shock. But you do kind of want people to like get that experience of first-time syndrome without someone kind of going, hey, wait for this to happen. And you're like in the back of your head, you're like, you're poking, going, look, this is the part that we told you about kind of thing. On the on the flip side, I, and I agree with you. I think you're you're completely dead on with that because there are certain films that just need to be – enjoyed and watched and sometimes actually i will i prefer watching a movie by myself not in a theater with other people because as much as i hate to admit it sometimes you're affected by the other people that are around you maybe they laugh at a scene all the time yeah Mm -hmm. so like sometimes Mm -hmm. i really like just watching a movie by myself like on my laptop or like with my headphones on because then you're immersed in the experience but like the the culture that we've created of you cannot talk about a tv show to anybody because they may not have watched it um, you can't talk about a series on Netflix. You can't talk about anything because somebody might be in earshot. For nerds like us is torture because we want to sh- <laughs> we want to share the things that we love and we want to talk to somebody else about like, holy crap, did you see season two of Daredevil and the Punisher was there? And the pu- oh, spoiler alert! Just shut up. I want let me enjoy this. Like it's <laughs> for me, it's it's a matter of to to piggyback on what Phil is saying. It's a matter of consent. Yeah, it's one thing if we're talking about it, you know, if we're if I'm engaging you in a conversation about something I'm not super familiar with and you're like, oh, yeah, and this happened. That's not necessarily a huge deal for me. It's the people who will post it on Facebook and like unapologetically be like, oh, well, if you didn't see it, it's on you. No, you're a fucking asshole. Yeah, you're being a dick. You're 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 dictating to someone else what their experience is going to be. Yeah. Um, And it's not about. It, it's the exact opposite of what you're talking about, Mike. Yeah. It's not about, you know, a shared experience. It's not about like, you know, oh, I'm a nerd and I really love this thing and I want you to love this thing. It's about I want to say something, so I'm just going to. And if it bothers you, I don't give a shit. And it's that's free country. What, I'll that's say what, what I want. Bugs me yeah. is it's not so like I. I will take any number of you know, bitchy geeks who are complaining about hearing spoilers over any one person who feels they have the right to make spoilers. Yeah. Um, okay. And that's what really bugs me is you're, you're electing to dictate how my experience is going to go. And you're, you're, you're purposely trying to, to, uh, to change things. I definitely. Me. Okay. I just remembered the third movie I walked out of. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. I am legend. I'm not... Oh yeah. You want to know why I walked out of why? I am legend? Because why? I had a, I had a guy that I was working with at the time when I was in, in the 
uh, and a, t- a term that Steve used in his article that I absolutely love. It's a word. It's one of my favorite words, and that's halcyon. And the halcyon days when I worked at Blockbuster, um, I was a the salad days of Blockbuster. <laughs> salad days of Blockbuster. Um, wow, yeah. something you never thought would go away, and now yeah. is yeah. just wow. Yeah, exactly. Um, I was a shift manager, and I had somebody else take my shift. And like two hours before he was going to take my shift, he backed out. And I was like, dude, it's too late. I'm already like in line to go see this movie. And he was just like, well, it's your shift, so it's not my responsibility. I was like, please stop being a dick. Yeah, don't be an And he was just this. like, oh, you're going to see I Am Legend? Oh. By the way, guess whose dog dies? And I was like, <laughs> fuck you. Oh. Fuck you. Set yourself on fire. You're I the start- worst human being. And I was, so, I was so mad. I watched the movie with my arms crossed, like muttering to myself. I was like, this dog better not fucking die. And then, like, it started happening. I was like, nope. And I got up and I went to work and, like, just ripped into him. Like, I was so mad. Like, and, like, I'm sure there are people who are listening yeah. who will react like, God, wait or overreact about a movie, Mike. It's not about the movie. No. It's not about the movie. No. Yeah. It's about the fact that this guy was a dickhead. Things weren't working the way he wanted them to. Yeah. And so he decided to shit on your experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The funny part about yeah. it is, is we literally, Basically. like, we literally fought in the parking lot about I Am Legend. Fantastic. And, like, <laughs> my boss came out and he's like, You guys are fighting about a Will Smith movie. And we both were just like, Fuck you, no, fuck you. And then, like, scene from Crimson Tide. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, like, yeah, he's like punching me and he's like, Give me your launch codes like it was, it was yeah. um but like at the in the end like we went to like there was like a bar like like three or four like shops down and like in the little strip mall that we worked in and like we went there and we had a couple drinks and it was all good but like sure. still I, i'm i can't even watch that movie i'm so mad like yeah in a way it's, yeah, if much. you think about it it's theft not it a is. theft of anything monetary but a theft of a moment and an oh, experience yeah. Yeah. something yeah. that cannot be uh, it has no value of it except for what you yourself can take from it and yeah. any individual that's going to change from one person to the next but that is a type of theft that's almost more you know if you take $100 out of my wallet you know okay that that sucks i don't like it but i can get it but if you still at a moment from me something that's could yeah. be really great. Yeah. Fuck you. Mm-hmm. Who exactly. are you? You're not God. Yeah. You're a dick. Uh, yeah. On that dog thing, I'm gonna tell you right now, John Wick's one of my favorite movies. Yeah. Oh god. Not gonna not gonna lie to you. If I didn't know what sets off John Wick in the trailers and I was in a movie theater and saw that scene, I'd have walked out too. Like honestly, if the trailer the trailer tells you I'm assuming everyone's seen John Wick, so I'm just gonna say yeah. Yeah. they kill his dog. The trailer tells you it happens before you even go to the movie. Honestly, if I find out that the dog died and no one told me, I would pretty much walk out at that point because that's like something hard for me to watch. Like, just yeah, I you're don't know you're, you're on point. That was genius <laughs> on their part because that's. I mean, he kills a lot of human beings in that movie, and I don't care about that. But when that dog <laughs> dies, I was very it's, sad. It is pure. Basic Which honestly says motivation. something about us all, but I'm going to move on from that. Oh yeah, we're we're horrible human beings. That's fine. Um, <laughs> well, no, no, well, I mean, yeah, that's, no, that's... and I and I think like we were talking about these like there's different tiers in my mind of spoilers. Like there's mm-hmm. like like you said like the jerk one where it's they just drop a spoiler in when you aren't expecting it and it literally ruins a major plot point. Mm-hmm. Then there's the kind where okay, there's this site over here and they have all the details that you want and you can go and get as many or as few as you choose to go get. And then there's the kind of spoilers where like, even if Mike didn't tell me exactly what happened in the movie, he said, dude, I went and saw this movie. It's everything I was hoping it would be. You got to go see it. Even that in a sense is a spoiler because I know the quality of the film 
is mm-hmm. is in line with someone whose opinion I respect, says it's good, says I would like it, they know me, so to a degree that's a spoiler of, oh, I'm going to enjoy this movie, um, and I can kind of piece together some things I think might happen, because if these are things he thinks I'll enjoy, I probably know where that's going then. Um, so I kind of see those as three distinct tiers, and I agree. Tier one, it's not your choice, so it's bullcrap. Yeah. Tier two, it's nice that it exists, and there's certain things that I'll go dig into, and certain things I'll leave, you know, for whatever. And I never have a problem with tier three. If if someone who knows me says I, you know, here's my opinion on it, like we got with Iron Fist two tonight, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't think that spoils anything other than if you are the kind of person who enjoys the content that we at GGR, you know, do, and we said, hey, it's kind of like a like a six out of ten. Um, that kind of tells you what you're going to expect when you go see it, but it's not going to give you any plot details. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah 100%. I, I, I didn't go that high, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Don't put words in my mouth. <laughs> I said what I said. <laughs> All right, guys, I think that this is a perfect spot for us to go ahead and wrap up part one uh, of our episode this evening. So I want to thank our guests. Our guests... For Mr. Philip Jean-Pierre, uh, you can check out his review of Season 2 of Iron Fist, which is on idobi.com. That is I-D-O-B-I dot com. Check him out. Not only that, Mr. Philip, you are a very talented artist. If people wanted to see your art and the things that you do and the things that you draw, where could they find such things? Uh, it's going through an overhaul, but the site's still up. Uh, BlackGorbachev.com is still available for people's enjoyment. This makes me uh, laugh every time. God damn it. <laughs> Black Gorbachev. There's a story, he makes, too. He makes, me, he makes me say it every time. There's how, a story. There's a there's a leopard thong involved. There's a story. Like How you have not gotten ooh, la, la. a temporary tattoo of his birthmark and wear it at every show you go to, I still don't understand. <laughs> I just don't get it, man. It's money on the table. It's, it's bad marketing. You're sitting on a gold mine. <laughs> it really is. Then you charge two bucks to have somebody take their picture with you. Yeah, you want a picture? Two bucks. A picture with Black Gorbachev? Yeah, you do. Don't act like you don't. You know you want it. You know you want <laughs> <laughs> So guys, check out his review. Um, also, we got the Hill Hippie with us tonight uh, in studio. Check him out. He was on fxbgpublicradio.com. His show's shock monkeys which is also with uh the madman lowercase which was on he was on was it last week or two weeks ago that he was in the studio uh, two weeks ago two weeks ago uh the madman was in studio but then also we've got Otherland dreams hey he got hey, it. Hey. four out of five ain't bad yeah <laughs> uh you can check that out as well on fxbg public radio uh guys stay tuned we're not actually going anywhere but we are going to go ahead and break here real quick when we come back it's rambo time Oh, man. We're going to learn about one of our newest GGR contributors. So, guys, it's not an episode of Pirate Radio if we're not ending with Africa. <laughs> a little country train. Wow. Africa. This is a band called Love Cannon. Oh, God. Yeah. It's because a gun wasn't enough. <laughs> you got to have a little cannon. <laughs> have you heard the death metal version of this song? Oh, I think we're going to have to use that for the end of uh, episode two. <laughs> oh, it's great. I'll tune you into it. All right, guys. Thank you for tuning in to GGR Pirate Radio. Stay tuned if you're listening live because we got more coming up in just a minute. But go ahead and enjoy the lovely song stylings of Love Kid. Wow. 
This has been Pirate Radio Network Production Juice Bags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy.